Hi folks, this is Abel James and welcome to the Fat Burning Man Show where we talk about real food and real results. Today's episode of the show is with Craig Ballantyne, the man behind turbulence training and an expert in bodyweight workouts. Now before we get to the show, I wanted to let you guys know that if you go to fatburningman.com right now and sign up for the email list, I'll send you a free copy of my ebook, The Primal Rock Starts, which features fat burning tips, muscle building strategies, and ways to optimize your health from guys like Dave Asprey, Mark Sisson, Rob Wolf, and tons more. So all you have to do is go over to fatburningman.com, enter your best email, and I'll shoot that right over to you. All right, so Craig Ballantyne is a fat loss and fitness expert who specializes in helping people get incredibly lean and strong with short workouts. Craig has a master's of science degree in exercise physiology from McMaster University, and he's written for Men's Health, Maximum Fitness, Oxygen, and Men's Fitness as well. On today's show, Craig and I cover how to get lean in just a few minutes of exercise a week, and yes, it is possible, why willpower always seems to crumble in the face of adversity, why you should consider getting a dog, and how to be your own science experiment. This is a fun one. Listen up, guys. All right, folks, Craig Ballantyne is a well-known fitness expert who specializes in helping people get incredibly lean and strong with short workouts. He's written for some of the largest fitness magazines in the world, including Men's Health, Maximum Fitness, Oxygen, and Men's Fitness. He's also a fat-burning beast. What's cooking, Craig? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for that uh, excellent intro. <laughs> you bet, man. Well, your, your reputation precedes you. Uh, but why don't you talk a little bit about how you got into all of this jazz? Yeah, like a lot of uh, fitness experts, you know, I was the kid who was very active when I was younger, and I thought, ah, oh, man, I just got to get a job in this field. It's so awesome, you know, to... Uh, <laughs> When I was younger, to I was thinking athletics, so it's like you know how can I, how can I get into the pros because I'm certainly not making it into the pros uh, with my athletic ability, and so that was my original thought. I went to a university here in Canada called McMaster University. It's quite well known among the exercise science world. Uh, had some great, great advisors. I did a master's degree there in exercise physiology. We're going to talk about some of the stuff I learned along the way, and. It was around then that I started writing for Men's Health in 2000 when I was still a graduate student, and then I realized I could just help way more people uh, doing what I wanted to do by you know, bringing, it, bringing what I learned for elite athletes and helping them and, and actually helping you know, the regular reader of Men's Health and Women's Health and Oxygen Fitness Magazine to get amazing results in a short amount of time with, you know, I guess what you might say, athletic-type training. Yeah. So I... <laughs> I used to do marathons and I've always loved running. It's kind of like a meditation for me. Uh, when I first was introduced to the approach of getting uh, a lot more in terms of results for less time, I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but then I tried it on myself as kind of a case study and it was shocking the amount of fat that I lost, muscle that I built, all from exercising less. So when people ask you, is it really possible to get you know, superhuman results in just a few minutes of exercise, uh, what do you, how do you answer that question? Well, these days you can actually answer them with research. You can say uh, there was a, a, bit, a study that came out that really influenced me last year. It's from uh, the Journal of Applied Physiology. I think it's Applied Physiology, Nutrition, and Metabolism. Mm -hmm. And it was a Canadian study, actually. And it's very similar to the Tabata training studies, but it's not Tabata training because Tabata training is 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off at 170% VO2 yeah. max. And it's very specific to that. Uh, with this training, what they did is they had people do those 20 seconds of work, but they had them do bodyweight exercises. So they did burpees, mountain climbers, push-ups, 
and then they rested 10 seconds, and they did eight rounds of this. And so that was one group, and it was women. It was all women in this study. A uh, second group was control group, did nothing. And a third group was a group that did 30 minutes of jogging. And what they found was the aerobic fitness levels were the same among the two training groups. So the four minutes of training and the 30 minutes of training resulted in the same fitness gains for uh, cardiovascular. But they found, and this is pretty obvious, that the muscular endurance gains were only present in the bodyweight exercise group. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just as important in almost all of this is that the bodyweight training group enjoyed the training the most compared to the other groups. So... Now I can say with research that here's the fitness gains in this, and then I don't have research that shows four minutes of uh, exercise is better than 30 minutes for fat burning, but I have you know hundreds, maybe even thousands of case studies that have used my programs and other uh, in my tr- and even in my transformation contests mm-hmm. that can say, hey, look what this person did, this person did, this person did. And one other thing I will mention on that is. Who tends to get, you know, when, when uh, we talk about who tends to get the greatest results in this, it's that person who's, who's making that switch from the low-intensity, long exercise to the high-intensity, short exercise. That's when you see the greatest gains is when you make that switch. Yeah. So is four minutes, like, the most effective protocol, or is it just a matter of, like, hitting that high intensity for some period of time, and, and that's kind of like the minimum effective dose? That's a great question. I, I don't have research to say what uh, what is best uh, I certainly don't limit the workouts to four minutes you know we think that four minutes seems to be great but you know what if we did four minutes of a lower body exercise four minutes of an upper body exercise maybe two minutes of a core training exercise mm-hmm. um, we can do some really great workouts in under 20 minutes you know when I'm using that specific style my body weight stuff I try and keep them around 15 to 12 to 15 minutes but We'll go a little bit longer sometimes, but certainly the more work you do, the uh, diminishing returns kick in. You know, we can talk about that in terms of weight training and the one versus three sets mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know if you you would get the same results in two minutes. Probably not, but um, it's it's pretty cool, and I'm sure there'll be more and more studies coming out on this stuff just to see exactly how little of a stimulus you need for a response, and that's really what people need to understand Um, on a general level, a basic level about exercise, is that what you're doing is you're applying a stimulus to your body, and your body responds by adapting to the stimulus. And you can get into the entire neuromuscular physiology and the biochemical reactions in the muscle and why this happens, and it's an interesting conversation. Um, But once you understand that, and what you're doing is applying a stimulus, then you can understand why the shorter workouts work. And on, conversely, you can understand why too much exercise leads to overuse injury, because if you keep on applying a stimulus, your body doesn't have a chance to adapt to it, and you get overuse injuries, and that's why runners are in the physio office so often, and people that weight train their shoulder joint uh, too much as well. So right. you know, certainly every exercise has its uh, drawbacks. Yeah, so if you are doing body weight exercises, for example, how do you counteract you know, making, uh, creating a muscular imbalance? Well, the, the key is really to make sure that you attack the uh, different movement patterns of the body. And so when we do our programs, you know, that's another reason why they're longer than four minutes is we make sure that, you know, if we do some pushing muscles either today or yesterday or something, we make sure that we do uh, a good amount of 
pulling exercises that are, you know, the antagonistic movement to the movements that we did in the same program or in a different workout. Mm-hmm. Um, so we make sure that we train all the muscles of the body and just make sure that the person's posture and their form is correct as well. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a key component of it. And also we take a look at their daily activity habits. You know, people that sit all day long, first of all, sitting is uh, very dangerous for your health in general, but also it really ruins your posture. And so we got to take a look at, you know, what does the client bring to the table in terms of, you know, have they been sitting for 20 years and they have really terrible posture? We have mm-hmm. to take a look at that and how we uh, do our workouts. Totally. I actually just... Um got a new computer, one of those uh, big old iMacs, and I set it up on a totally jerry-rigged stand-up desk, and I've decided to do all of my interviews standing up. So I'm standing up right now, and it's awesome. It's so much better. You just feel like blood is flowing. Yeah, I mean, I've been walking around, actually, while I've been doing this, and I'm, I can't, I don't necessarily have the reference for it, but I, I'm, from what I understand, there's research that shows when you're up and you're moving about, you do have more energy and you do much better when you're doing these phone interviews. So I, I try and move around quite a bit when I do them as well. That's pretty cool. Are you just like pacing or like doing errands? I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm walking around and opening doors, checking on dogs and uh, getting drinks of water. <laughs> That's awesome. It's all purposeful. Yeah. I do something similar. Not when I'm on my own interviews, but when I'm on the phone interviews, I, I love just like having my hands available and kind of like multitasking. I also find that when you do that, that low intensity exercise, just just walking around, it gets your brain moving in a way that it doesn't when you're just kind of sitting there stagnating. Well, there's certainly research that shows when you get out of your regular work area, that that's when you're more creative. And so, you know, you think back to when uh, I believe it was Newton who, you know, came up with the idea of gravity under the apple tree. Uh, It wasn't just because an apple hit him in the head. It's because research shows that, you know, people are more creative outside their regular work environment. So if you're trying to come up with a really big idea and whatever job you have, it's probably not going to come to you sitting at the computer. It's going to come to you when you're out walking the dog or when you're in the shower. That's why people get so many ideas in the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just have to, you just have to make uh, sure that you're able to write them down as soon as you get out because they're slippery little fishes and get away from you. <laughs> That's totally true. So why don't we talk about that a little bit? Like I'm, I'm sure that you experience this all the time. Someone, the hook for why they come in to get help is is fat loss or building muscle, something that's mostly superficial, but they stay with it and find that, that it's changing their lives in a positive direction. So how do you kind of coach them through that process? Well, one of the big things that's been a, a huge boost to my business and how many people I'm able to help and really has, has literally changed my life has been the inc- uh, including a transformation contest in my business. And I mm-hmm. started running my first one in the fall of 2007. We're on, I think we're on 16 or 17 right now in turbulence training, which is my main business. And we actually just started another one in another business I have called earlytorise.com. And in that one, we're giving away $100,000 to people that change their lives in health, wealth, and wisdom. So it's a, it's a very interesting thing that I've been doing with, with the transformation contest. And that's where we help them go from changing their body to changing their lives. And, and what I found is, is you cannot make a physical transformation without making a mental transformation at the same time. Totally. And that you, you develop willpower, you develop self-esteem and self-confidence. You really change as a person uh, for the better. And it's a really, for some people, it's a really dramatic experience. 
um, it's, there's certainly a lot of ups and downs and, you know, new thoughts. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what am I getting into? Um, you know, you, you end up really having to look at some of the relationships in your life as to, you know, some of them being toxic, some of them, uh, you know, you have to minimize them and stuff like that. I mean, it's just a whole new world of psychology, and it's very interesting uh, that physical fitness brings a lot of people into it, but they end up changing in so many ways at the end of the day because of it. All right. So you, you come into nutrition and fitness, you uh, basically get that all dialed in. You start eating correctly in a, in a way that suits your body well, and then you start exercising correctly. So you know how to change your body, but <laughs> how do you go about changing your life? Well, when you're doing this, what I've found is the people who are making the changes and, and having the best results, they establish what I call rules and personal philosophies for their life, but they start predominantly in the nutrition area. So mm -hmm. they go from somebody who who can't say no to, uh, you know, a, a drink or, you know, French fries or something to a person who's then becomes, in their mind, I'm the type of person who doesn't eat that type of food. Yeah. And it's a complete mindset shift, and it actually... Uh, you've probably read the book um, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Yeah, great one. Right. I mean, it's really a, a living proof of what he teaches in that book about people People who succeed and change their self-image, they only do it when they truly believe in themselves. And so in the transformation contest, you know, with the nutrition and exercise changes, you know, these people go from, uh, you know, I, I just can't ever stick to a diet to all of a sudden they are the person who I can stick to a diet. This is what I do six days a week. On the seventh day, I'll have my favorite foods in moderation. And I never miss a workout. I get up every day at 6 o'clock, and I spend at least 15, if not 30 to 45 minutes doing my workouts, you know, this day, this day, and this day. These are my rules, and I follow them. And what I found was over time after, you know, watching these transformation contests is that the winners always establish this mindset shift. Hmm. And so it actually caused me to go and write an article that's probably one of my most popular articles over at earlytorise.com called The 12 Rules of My Life uh, that I live by. And since establishing these rules a couple of summers ago, uh, it's really been a mu I, I'm much more stress-free. I'm, I'm able to really move towards my goals a lot better. And it really just guides me. And it's a it takes away a lot of decision-making. So I use the example that if you are, like, let's say you're a paleo person. If you're a paleo person, then you never, ever eat white bread. You just do not ever eat white bread. It's not even something you have to think about. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other hand, if you're a person who's just on a diet, you know, air quotes, then if somebody offers you a hamburger on a white bun, you are not using your rules to say no. You have to rely on your willpower to yeah. say no. And it's different. And, you know, odds are nine times out of ten, you'll buckle in and you'll have that white bread. But if you have that rule in your life, it's not even something that your mind has to spend an ounce of willpower on. And, uh, you know, you probably know as well as I do, you probably know more about willpower and the research there than I do. But from what I understand is that it's a limited resource and, you know, these rules and personal philosophies allow you to have uh, kind of a workaround to not using willpower to make the right decisions. Yeah. Actually, I was talking to Tim Ferriss about this not too long ago, and he's just like, I know that I have a limited amount of 
decisions I can make over the course of the day. So I try to like systemize that and make sure that I don't have to make the little ones. And I thought that that was so, so brilliant because it's true, right? When you, when you just live in a certain way and you don't have the option of having those, you know, cookies in your cupboard or whatever that you have to use your mental power to avoid and you just kind of set up this system, then you can focus on the big stuff. And that's where the real changes happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tim's a, a master at eliminating distractions and stuff like that from, from his life, and there's a lot to learn from that. And I agree, absolutely. You can just eliminate a lot of the things that can get you into trouble. Yeah. So paleo is one way that you can do that, but how else can you do that in your life, making sure that you uh, you eliminate distractions, but also you kind of guide yourself on the path that, that you'd like yourself to follow? Well, you can set hard um, rules for getting up and going to bed. And mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, the, the, the one thing above all else that helped me have more energy, that really dialed it in, have more energy all day, every day, was when I finally gave in to this advice of going to bed and getting up at the same time seven days a week. And I know it's not the most sexy and exciting thing in the world, but when people sleep in on the weekends, they ruin everything. It yeah. really, really ruins, I would say, until Wednesday of the next week. Mm-hmm. And so if you have these rules, or our rule, that this is the time you go to bed, and this is the time that you get up every day, then you have to abide by that clock. And it helps you get more done. It helps you eliminate you know, the small things, you know, like, I just don't have time for that because I have to go to bed at exactly 9.45 today in order to get up at exactly, you know, 5.45 tomorrow to get, uh, you know, this eight hours of sleep that I need to get. So I don't have time to, you know, watch this TV show or to, you know, do this little errand that's, you know, not worth my time or, you know, to read this junk mail. And so it helps you eliminate stuff like that. So, I mean, that's one place that people can start with physical activities. So one of my rules was that, you know, it's kind of a longer rule that, you know, I'm not the type of person that gossips or does, you know, talks behind people's back or this, this, or this, or this, or this. Um, You know, similar. I can't remember the exact rule, but it's along those lines. I'm not the person that I do not want to be. And, And, you know, so, you know, growing up, you know, hang around people like everybody else. You, you know, sit down, you might have a drink or two, and you talk about somebody. And I decided to eliminate that from my life, that that does not happen because it, ser- it has, does not serve me in any way. So I eliminated that from my life by putting it in a rule. And once you set those rules for your life, if you start to break them, then you become a hypocrite. And becoming a hypocrite is probably one of the biggest I wouldn't say evils, but it's probably one of the most looked down upon things in society these days is being a hypocrite. And so you don't want to be a hypocrite to yourself and you don't want to be a hypocrite to others because it's really, you know, everybody looks down on that, you know, more than they look down on people that commit even some crimes. Right. So, so, um, that's another thing you can build in things that you don't want to do into your rules. And, you know, personally, it's really helped me. Yeah. And so at the beginning, when you're building those things in, uh, the people around you, I found tend to revolt, right? They, they poke fun or they're like, Oh, he can't be serious. This is ridiculous. Um, but after a little while, they kind of start following those rules for you, right? Like, so if they used to be, uh, feeding you tortilla chips and cookies and like, Oh, what, you're not going to eat that cookie. (laughs) Like you must be crazy. What a bummer. Um, after a while that becomes part of your identity part of your identity in their eyes as well. And then they just kind of like knock it off. Right. And the more that you live your identity with 
you know, confidence yeah. and, and courage, the, the more that people will support it. That's, that's a tough thing for a lot of people that are, you know, making changes and around those negative people at the start to understand and to, to realize and to live, you know, strongly about. But uh, once you do live that way, you get more support. Totally. Yeah. I, actually, I have an example of that that's gotten more and more distance from who we should be. And that's just the amount of accessibility that everyone has to technology in our lives. So we're carrying it around in our pockets. We're in front of computers all the time. Uh, TVs are starting to be wired into all of this. And what I decided, I'm from a nowheresville in New Hampshire. <laughs> and when we go there, there's no internet, or oftentimes there's no internet. Cell phones don't work. Like we never had cable growing up. It was just like you were detached. I made this rule, and this is actually following a, an interview I did with Gary Taubes, who <laughs> like I was trying to schedule it uh, to get him on the show. And he's just like, sorry, I can't do anything before 1 p.m. because I'm writing in the morning. And I'm like, wow. Like, that's brilliant, <laughs> right? Because, like, you can get so much done when you have that rule of, of time that's only for that thing. So there are no text messages barraging you. Um, there's nothing else in the way. You can just focus on it. So I decided to make my own rule where I turn my phone off so I don't respond to text or phone or email uh, in the morning. And at first, that kind of confused people. Why isn't he getting back to me? Is he ignoring me? But over the course of time, now I open up my inbox and no one emails me around then. They wait until they know I'm going to be available, and that just works so much better for everyone. Right. I mean, it's all about managing expectations. It really is. And you can, you can build your own day. You can build your own habits. It's Absolutely. not out of your control. Let, let's go back to training a little bit. I know that a lot of people out there are really focused on, on building muscle, for example. That's, that's one, especially being around the new year. I've gotten a lot of emails about that lately. And Craig, I know you have a great deal of experience in that regard, um, let's let's start with myths. What won't get you muscle in an effective way? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, there is, well, you know, what used to be a myth that high reps would not build you muscle is now actually being challenged. So, what uh, you know, a friend of mine who's a professor at McMaster University, they they did a study in beginners uh, doing three sets of thirty repetitions to failure versus I believe it was three sets of eight to 12 repetitions and found that the subjects gained the same amount of muscle mass. So again, this was wow. in beginners. Um, and, and then th this was kind of based off a Japanese study that was done a few years back where they occluded blood flow to muscles and then exercise so those muscles reached fatigue faster. And even though it was with light weight, they still were able to build muscle. And so what they're finding there is that for muscle building, you know, you have different ways of stimulating the muscle. So you can have mechanical tension, and you can also have this biochemical factors. Um, again, both are stimulus. Mm -hmm. Both are stimuli, you know, put on the muscle, and the muscle adapts by getting bigger. And so really what doesn't work, probably it's a lot easier to say that pretty much almost everything works. Um, <laughs> you just really need to train I guess it would be different ways I mean you're going to have to train through some pain when you're doing that 3 by 30 repetitions yeah. that's going to be a little bit different when you're training 3 by 8 to 12 and so you know you've seen guys gain muscle with the one set to, to failure back in the day the you know guys that have been doing 3 by 10 you know all these programs tend to work because you're putting resistance on a muscle and you know, the, the, the response of the body is, okay, I've got to 
I've got to adapt in case this thing happens to me again. That's what the muscle, yeah. um, you know, is saying to itself, I suppose, that I've got to adapt and be able to accommodate and, you know, work with this load so it's not as hard next time. Yeah. So is that to the point of failure or right before that? How do you, how do you measure that or how do you feel that? That's a great question. I mean, the uh, the lighter stuff you go to failure on, and the other stuff I wouldn't go to failure. You know, once you get mm-hmm. below ten repetitions, I wouldn't go to failure on because then you start to mess around with you know central nervous system, and yeah. you know you're not going to get as strong, and you know you're going to need need a different level of recovery when you're training with heavier weights compared to when you're training with lighter weights. Mm-hmm. And you know, but when it comes down to it, I know guys who are pro bodybuilders who train with you know relatively light weights compared to what they can handle. Because what they're looking for is safe hypertrophy without the risk of getting injured. Mm-hmm. And they don't need to be really, really strong. They get really strong because they have really, really big muscles. But they don't need to be power lifter strong, so they don't train the way a power lifter does. So really a lot of, you know, the bottom line here is a lot of training programs for building muscle work. And we have people that, you know, just use bodyweight exercises and report building big muscles, you know, bigger yeah. muscles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people think that with body weight you wouldn't. Now, not everyone's going to. A lot of people will not, but some people do. So you really need to be, as always, I'm sure you probably mentioned this to people before, is that you really need to be keeping track of how you respond to specific types of training. You need to be your own science experiment. You need to <laughs> really pay attention to, to what's working. Yeah, and and what's not working, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I do like your what you said there and the whole approach that almost everything works as long as you're moving your body and putting stress on the muscle uh, and, and getting to that point of stimulus. And then as long as you're eating uh, you know, right. enough food, um, and in most cases, that's not too hard. Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially with how hungry you get after you work out hard. <laughs> um, but you do need to eat the right kind of food. So what is what is your diet generally? look like chris or sorry uh, well the, it has changed a little bit in the last year um i used to pretty i mean i i can kind of get away with eating whatever i want but i have switched because i did do a gluten sensitivity test and even though i never noticed any problems eating gluten according to the uh, genetic test that i did i have I have uh, the alleles of the genetic alleles that say i will that i am sensitive to gluten and so mm. i Took that out of my diet. I didn't notice any differences, to be honest with you. I didn't notice yep. any differences at all. Um, but then in the winter time, in the last three years, I've actually experienced what's called Raynaud's phenomenon. I don't know if you know that what that is, but it's people with cold hands all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I've always had cold hands, but in the last three winters, two of my fingers have started swelling up as soon as it hits mid-November. Really? And I, I didn't know what it was until I went to the doctor this year, and he said that's what it is. Huh. And so I mentioned that to my friend, Dr. Peter Osborne, who is a hardcore, gluten-free, um, functional medicine expert in Houston. And, you know, he knew that I was gluten-free, but he said, well, why don't you take out dairy from your diet as well? And I am sad to report that taking out dairy from my diet has significantly helped uh, reduce the swelling in my fingers. Wow. And I say that I'm sad about it because I really do enjoy uh, my whey protein shakes, but um, I don't know how much longer I'll be using those things because I, I've been dairy-free for the month of February, so about 16 or 20 days now, and it has made a difference in these fingers, which will go back to normal 
in about a month from now when it starts warming up. So, so my diet, I, I guess you would say, is quite, uh, you know, real food. You know, yeah. fruits, vegetables, steak, eggs, you know, stuff like that. Lots of nuts. Yeah. And uh, that's basically it, yeah. Well, that's that's really interesting about dairy. So have you taken out all dairy, like including butter and, and the fats as well? Or is it just Yeah, the I mean, I, if there's any dairy in my diet, I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, <laughs> that's good, I guess. And, and the same thing with gluten, I would assume. You're not, like, eating out of boxes or soy sauce. Or... You know, yeah, you know, the only the only thing that's, um, that gets in my diet is um, oh, it's uh, it's those fillers and protein it's even in vega protein which is i'm playing around with right now mm-hmm. uh, what is it it is i'm just looking at the label right now xanthan gum which yeah. is from corn and uh peter osborne the guy who i go to for my gluten information is you know no rice no nothing no corn derivatives so xanthan gum and then there's a couple other ones that you see in a lot of protein shakes I'm just gonna look up one more here uh, guar gum, I believe, cellulose gum, um, those things. So, you know, those technically have a little bit of gluten in them. And so those are the things that it's still getting my diet. But other than that, uh, you know, I certainly, uh, you know, haven't even eaten quinoa in a long time. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it sounds like some pretty, pretty major changes to the diet just in the past few, what, months and years? Yeah. So it's been about June when I decided to cut out all uh, gluten sources mm-hmm. and then dairy just in the last couple of weeks. And I mean, before cutting out the gluten, I mean, I was eating like a couple of peanut butter sandwiches a day, you know, oh, really? <laughs> but I mean, I was not having any problems, yeah, like noticeable problems with it. But Peter says, uh, you know, I, I say that a lot because Peter's really my expert for yeah. it. Uh, Dr. Osborne says that you wouldn't start to see these types of things show up until you're about 40 years old from, right. you know, from eating this stuff if, if you don't have, like, a real real problem. And so, you know, here I am, 37, and, uh, you know, these fingers around when I was 35 started going a little weird on me. So mm-hmm. who knows? Um, that's, that's the way it is. I mean, I got tons of energy. I really enjoy the foods that I eat. Uh, I, I miss the peanut butter sandwiches, but, you know, I'm sure if I really – check things out there's probably somebody making some decent bread with almond flour or something that i could really get into if i wanted to oh yeah man we make it right here we oh yeah <laughs> yeah it's so good um my girlfriend is is dangerous to have around because she's such a good cook and great at baking especially desserts <laughs> so wow. yeah it's really good stuff but it's all gluten-free we love uh almond flour use coconut flour a lot sometimes we'll use some some sprouted ancient grains but We've been um, staying away from gluten for quite some time now, and we've both um, really experienced some great results in terms of digestive health, which is something that is really easy to overlook, right? Because you don't, you don't necessarily see it making you fatter or sicker, but it's kind of one of those invisible things that, um, that, like you said, can start to stack up on itself as time goes by. Yeah, I'll add to that that uh, my chiropractor recently decided to eliminate grains, and you know he's on his feet from seven in the morning till seven at night, three days a week in his clinic, and he said that you know his energy levels, you know, energy is a catch-all phrase, but I mean at the end of the day he just has much more mental alertness and physical energy, and in addition to that, uh, I was with Jay Farouge at a seminar the other week, and a whole bunch of other fitness guys were there. And, you know, Jay and I stayed away from gluten and stuff like that. But a lot of the other guys did not. 
And all the guys who did not ended up with colds within the you know, next few days, where oh, wow. Jay and I did not. And we also, you know, Jay and I agree that we rec- rec- recovered so much better uh, when we do get a cold. I, you know, I, I'm on an airplane almost every other week. Yeah. So, you know, I get these things from time to time. And, you know, the recovery is, you know, I might have a cold for 12 to 24 hours, mm-hmm. uh, whereas in the past it would be three or four days and a little bit more lingering. So it goes back to the fact that, you know, your immune system is so connected to your digestive health. And so it's possible that, uh, you know, dropping, dropping stuff like, you know, the bread out of your diet could help people avoid colds and stuff like that. Yeah, I know that that's definitely true in my case. Uh, I had been without a cold for like three years. I actually just got one a couple of weeks ago, and I know it was because of lack of sleep and traveling and speaking engagements and all that crap. But... Um, yeah, it's amazing what happens when you allow your immune system, when you get out of its way, essentially, and allow it to do what it does best. Absolutely. So what about easy body weight workouts? People are always asking me about that. Like, what do you recommend when people are just getting started, especially beginners who aren't really used to being in the weight room or even doing any body weight stuff? How do they get started and, and, and start to make this change in their lives? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can do an incredible workout lying on the ground with bodyweight exercises. So back when I was training people, you know, 35 hours a week, I had quite a few clients who were beginners, overweight, uh, and so, you know, within 20 minutes of having them on the ground, they were working up a sweat. So, you know, we would start with lying hip extensions, and that's just where you're on your back and you have your knees bent and you bridge up and you're squeezing your glutes. And we would do holds or we would do, you know, 15, 20 repetitions, and we'd have them, you know, flip over. And if somebody is overweight, you know, just having them go up and down and flipping over and stuff like that, you're moving your body. And so it's, it's exercise to a lot of people that are, that are true beginners. Yeah. And over to a plank and then back over and we do a stability ball leg curl and then back over for kneeling push-ups and then, you know, get them up and doing band pulls and, and wall slides to get you no know, good shoulder mobility and then back down and doing one leg hip extensions. And, you know, by the time we do a couple other exercises, you know, we're through 20 minutes and they've been strengthened and they've burned some calories, but they've been strengthened and they've, and they're helping to build the muscles that will then allow them to do the standing exercises without any knee problems. So then Mm -hmm. we work into something like, you know, wall squats or uh, squatting with a stability ball between them and the, and the wall for support. And then we work into some step ups and, split squats with balance and, and on and on and on and away we go. And it's really, I mean, <laughs> there's over 101 body weight exercises that we work up to more advanced ones and, and have a good time doing it. And, you yeah. know, we, uh, we can throw these down anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Very cool. I love that. And, and do the body weight stuff all the time, especially when traveling, but let's contrast that with, uh, with Craig walks into a gym. What's your goal now? Like, what are you focusing on? Oh, I still uh, train the old meathead way that I used to train when I was <laughs> younger. Um, generally, uh, I'm I'm still I'm still pretty small, but uh, I do train with the traditional squat, bench, deadlift, and you know pull ups and step ups. I did step ups today with barbell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm training that way predominantly. Some cable exercises, but you know I'm not too far removed from the way that I used to train. But there is a little bit more body weight exercise in there. But, I mean, yeah, really, it's it's not too different from the way I trained when I was 16. Wow. Because it works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the basics that I learned then are the basics that I stick to now. Uh, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm uh, 
in a hotel room and I have a flight at, you know, seven in the morning and, you know, it's a cross country flight. I'm going to get home at, you know, seven o'clock at night, but I still want to do something. Mm-hmm. I can I can beat myself down pretty hard in the room with bodyweight exercises only using that 2010 system plus, you know, some of these um, additional moves that we make, you know, for example, just with, you know, here's a really, really tough leg workout in four minutes. We do something that I call the Punisher squats. So you do about 15 repetitions of bodyweight squats, and then you hold for 20 in 20 seconds. Then you hold the bottom position for 10 seconds, and then you do another 15 um, squats, and you can repeat that for the full four minutes, just holding the bottom position. We call that the Punisher, yeah. and that's you know 20 seconds of squats, 10 second hold, eight rounds. And I actually have a YouTube video of me doing that and then like doing some funky dance as I get out of the last one because your quads are just so fatigued. Um, so it's great video. And then, but you can also do it uh, where you do a minute of that and then you do what I call switch lunges on one leg for a full minute where you step forward with your right leg and then you step back with your right leg. And then you, so that's one minute of that. And then you switch over and do one minute stepping forward with the left leg and stepping back. And then you go into one more minute of uh, that 2010 Punisher style for two rounds, mm-hmm. and that's four minutes, and, and your legs are just going to go, what the heck? Yeah. And then after that, you can do two minutes of push-ups using the 2010 system. And what we found is most people can only do about four rounds of 2010 push-ups, where you do 20 seconds of push-ups, 10 seconds rest, because your upper body just fatigues a lot faster. So there's six minutes. So if, you know, I do a little bit of warm-up before that, too, about 12 minutes of warm-up and mobility stuff in my hotel room. But in 20 minutes, I can go, okay, that's good fitness for the day, even though I'm going to go and sit on the airplane for eight hours. Yeah, I do a similar thing. And if I'm not smoked by the end of those five minutes, I know that I did it wrong. You know, yeah, it, doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter how fit you are. You can you can definitely get there pretty quick just by absolutely going harder. So if you're doing push-ups, for example, are you... Um, what do you recommend for folks? Is it quick and explosive or is it kind of like this slow burn type technique? Uh, I would be just, I'm fine with two seconds down, one second up, uh-huh. um, or even one second down controlled. It's fine. Uh, I'm not really too worried about any real specific thing there. As long as somebody's done some warm up stuff and a couple of warm up rounds, maybe a couple of pushups, then they can do the push-ups relatively as fast as they like, especially when we're doing that 20-second thing. You just want to get a lot done. But, you know, if somebody wants to change things up and do, uh, you know, a 10-second lowering and a 10-second raise, they're going to get – they're probably going to feel more of that in their abdominals as well, mm-hmm. so more of like a plank version of an exercise. Right. So that's fine too. I mean, it's all about the variety. We're not uh, – I'm not married to one specific repetition cadence. Yeah, just getting out there and moving. I- Generally, yeah. I really liked. I was uh, I was married to a particular approach. I had a routine set, and I, I just found that uh, not only was I plateauing, I was getting bored. Um, and that's one of one of the worst things that can happen when you're when you're training or just in your lifestyle in general. General getting bored, and that also tends to be associated with the times that you stop getting results. I found. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that there's also something to be said, um, kind of. Uh, mystical i would say that if you don't enjoy what you're doing then there's some there's seems to be less results from somebody who doesn't enjoy what they're doing and that you know the people who hate going on the cardio machines and you know maybe they just don't put in full effort or something Mm -hmm. if they don't enjoy it or maybe they just skip too many workouts but if they don't enjoy it they don't get results and people who do enjoy their training 
tend to get better results, and that's why that's why I believe that you see people who do something that you know, like Pilates, where you wouldn't think that it's tough enough for somebody to get a great body, but a lot of people report it because they love it and they stick to it, mm-hmm. and they make sure that their nutrition and everything else goes along with it, and they get great results. So I, yeah. I really believe there's something there, but I can't you know back it up with science. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And you talked about your mobility exercises as well and that's something that since it's kind of unsexy right like everyone wants to skip that part uh, but it is really important how do you work that in what does it look like and why should other people consider making that a part of the process um well i believe that it's really helped me uh, i had a bit of a low back injury a couple years ago and i i had to do a lot of um, some stretching some static stretching you know boring old static stretching but also some mm-hmm. additional core work, you know, basic stuff like planks and side planks and stuff like that. And then some mobility, which is just, you know, moving your body in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, I, I was doing foam rolling for a while, but now I'm not even sure if I would recommend foam rolling too much. I think that, oh, really? yeah, just because it, a lot of people I think are overdoing it now. And I think mm-hmm. I was even overdoing it because when you do something like foam rolling and if it's an off day or something, uh, you're really you're, you're stressing that tissue. I mean, it's like, it's almost like a treatment, and so you're really applying more stress to it, and there's cause, you know it can cause even more inflammation. So what I found was when I would go away on trips and not do any of that foam rolling stuff, that I would come home and even though I thought I was doing less mobility, that I wasn't as sore as when I was doing that stuff every day. So I've actually cut it back quite a bit because again, it's like going to and getting a massage a hard massage every day and most people feel sore the next day after a hard yeah. massage now right. if you're doing that to yourself every day you're really probably impeding the recovery process mm-hmm. and so i've cut back on the foam rolling and stuff um maybe right now i don't really have any injuries and i'm moving really great so maybe if i had an injury maybe some proper properly spaced out foam rolling would help but uh you know that stuff is still kind of up in the air as to whether or not it's really as necessary as people are making it right now. But yeah. then, you know, just, you know, I, what I do is I just, I tend to walk, I have a, a dog, so I walk the dog first thing in the morning. So that's some mobility. Then I come home and then that's when I go into my training. Okay. And so I, I'm warmed up by that dog walk and then I go into uh, just some general mobility for the upper back, wall slides, um, some static stretching for the upper body because. If I don't do static stretching for the upper body, I do get tight pecs. And so yeah. just by doing regular stretching for that, it's helped me uh, prevent that. Um, you know, they're no longer as ropey as they used to be when I first started <laughs> getting ARP treatment. And so I do that stuff, and then I work my way down to lower body stuff. With, I do some bodyweight squats. I do some single leg Romanian deadlifts. I do some leg swings. I do some uh, lateral lunges. And not a lot, just, you know, six to ten repetitions per mm-hmm. movement. And then uh, I also do plank and bird dog and uh, maybe a hip bridge. And uh, also the, um, the W, Y, and T patterns uh, for your upper back as well. And so yeah. it used to be that, that I was doing this thing. It was like 35 minutes long. And uh, now I just realize there's a, you know, quite a bit of diminishing return now that I don't have anything to work through. So I've cut it back to about 15 minutes, mm-hmm. uh, even less if I'm in a real rush. Yeah, I was talking to one of my friends who um, one of his specialties is is warm ups, and he was trying to convince me to make it a bigger part of what I do. And uh, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. But he says, well, what if I could increase your performance by twenty percent just by doing this workout? I'm like, 
ah, now I'll do this. <laughs> like, you kind of have to reframe what, what a warm-up means, uh, both in terms of preventing injury as well as like performance gains just because you're moving better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you get your nervous system ready to go for it as well. But, it's, you know, in that case, you have to be careful you're not doing too much because yeah. you can get the fatigue in from it. Mm-hmm. What kind of dog do you have? I have a chocolate lab. Oh, nice. I have a yellow lab. I was, oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I'd l- love it. And I think um, having a dog is one of the best lifestyle choices you can make because it builds in automatically that one to two walks every day. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, and... You know, people need to move more, and that's a simple way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, it also, you see a lot of fat dogs, and you know they're not yeah. getting the the walks they need. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. But <laughs> I would basically, my dog gives me absolutely no choice because she loses her mind if she doesn't go outside at least two to three times every single day. All right, so we're coming up on time here, Craig. But why don't you tell folks out there um, where they can find you and what you're working on now? Sure. So the best way to, you know, interact with me is on Facebook. We have a Facebook fan page for my training program at uh, TurbulenceTrainingFanPage.com. That'll take you to that. We also have, uh, for people that are more interested in the personal development stuff, we have a Facebook page for our Early to Rise business, and you can find that at SuccessQ&A.com, or uh, I forget what the Facebook page is for. URL is it for, but successqna.com because I do these 15-minute Q&As there almost every morning. And then my main program right now that I, I really want people to check out is something called homeworkoutrevolution.com, which is bodyweight workouts based on that 2010 system and a few other ways of doing it. And there's 51 follow-along videos that are really cool. They're really short. We're really high energy. We have a lot of fun doing it. It's me and a couple of my certified turbulence trainers. And uh, I really think that it's one of the coolest things in fitness right now because it's no equipment and you just get to work out anytime, anywhere and, you know, have a blast with us. Awesome. Well, this is totally content packed and you're welcome to come on the show anytime, Craig. This is awesome. All right. Thanks so much. If you'd like to hear more from Craig Ballantyne, you can hop on over to his websites, TurbulenceTraining.com and EarlyToRise.com. Some other exciting news, the Fat-Burning Man Show has once again cracked the top of the iTunes health charts in, let's see, the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and a few other places. So thank you so much for the strong reviews that you guys have left for the show. I really appreciate your support. Once again, head on over to fatburningman.com right now to get your free ebook. All you have to do is sign up for the email list. It's right there on the front page, as well as in the sidebar. And I'll shoot you a free ebook called The Primal Rockstars featuring Mark Sisson, Rob Wolf, Dave Asprey, and tons more. Got some exciting shows coming up, so stay tuned, guys, and I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers.